Welcome to the Florence Guild podcast, a collection of conversations with business and cultural leaders delivering insight into future approaches to business and life. Through conversations in an array of styles, from salon talks to lifestyle events, through to intimate facilitated lunches and dinners, Florence Guild promotes encounters, satiates curiosity, and allows insight into future approaches to business and life. The following Florence Guild conversation was recorded live at Work Club Melbourne, Australia's most forward-thinking workspace. This episode's conversation is about how to focus on our teams and their performance meaningfully. Companies do a lot of work and spend a lot of time and money on employee engagement. Whether it be surveys, workshops, motivational speakers and off-sites, it is believed that engagement translates to productivity and profit. We have invited Mikey Ellis to share with us what has worked with Vino Mofa and what hasn't, focusing on what it takes to have your team truly engaged and aligned with the company's mission. Mikey is an experienced educator, facilitator and speaker specializing in human behavior and building revolutionary company culture. Beyond engagement, how to align your team to your mission, a Florence Guild conversation with Mikey Ellis. So I'm just texting our um, CEO who's, uh, he said he's going to come and listen to me talk, which I was kind of hoping he wasn't because a lot of the stories are about him. Uh, but anyway, he's on his way, so we'll get all, the, um, get all the dirt out before he arrives. Speaking for 20 minutes about company culture is awesome. Um, I normally do that at work on the daily and people roll their eyes at me and, 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 uh, and uh, think I'm, I'm boring them. But I want to acknowledge oh, this, this venue to start with. Um, I was thinking about how am I open and, I'd, and I was going to say, Let's just all pretend we're at a bar, we're having a glass of wine, uh, maybe a couple of glasses of wine, we're having a conversation and we're just sort of easing into it and we're starting to get to all the juicy bits. Uh, but this is exactly what we're doing already. So Work Club, uh, thank you for putting on um, a spread. It's, uh, it's the best way to engage in meaningful conversation um, over some delicious cheese and some good wine. So thank you to Work Club, um, Florence Guild, of course, for, for organising this. But I really want to acknowledge um, you guys for being here. I want to say thank you uh, for coming and just engaging in this conversation. Um, and that's really what I want it to be tonight, uh, a conversation um, between us. But thank you for being here. I think you are all wonderfully um, curious uh, and, and, and beautiful humans for wanting to learn more about what it is that we do. You've done it already. Perhaps just turn to the person next to you and say, what a beautiful human you are for being here tonight. Can you all do that? <laughs> well done. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, all right, that's enough. We don't, need to, we don't need to... You can save the conversations for later, but... It's... Um, this is, this is work that I think really, this is work that I think really matters. And, you know, I wanted to find, prior to sort of talking tonight and thinking about what I wanted to, to, to talk about, I want, you know, I was curious as to what you wanted to know because um, one of, the, one of the, uh, the things that people tend to do when they're trying to make change or affect change in a workplace is, is uh, assume what the right thing to do is or, or assume what, um, the, what people need. And I think the, the best thing to do or the first thing anyone needs to do is ask. So 
That's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to ask you to think about what it is you want to, want to learn, want to know. Now, I come from a background of teaching. I was a teacher for 12 years. And one of the things I learned about being, or from being a teacher is that um, the person up the front, the expert, is, is not the person who um, has all the information. Um, and certainly not the, that's not my role here tonight. I'd like for us to engage in a conversation um, because the collective experience and the wisdom um, and the perspectives in this room are really kind of what the value of this kind of uh, conversation is. So um, I will I'll certainly talk and give you a little bit of context to, to, to what I do uh, at VinoMofo and, and, and how that came about. And then I'd really like to just talk with you about um, things that you're interested in and, and curious about. Uh, given your unique contexts and roles in the workplaces in which you uh, work. Uh, speaking of workplaces, I work at uh, and, and, and with VinoMofo, which is an online uh, wine retailer. Uh, does anyone, anyone know VinoMofo? Yes. <laughs> we've got some, got some, uh, got some enthusiastic um, members here. So who else? Cool. What was the last, uh, what was the last wine you bought? <clears throat> <laughs> Must have been awesome. <laughs> um, who's never heard of Enomofo before? Okay, awesome. Well, I'll give you a little bit of context to, to what we do. Um, the, the name does mean wine motherfucker, so we'll just get that um, out of the way. It's always a good icebreaker. And there might be a few F-bombs throughout, uh, throughout my little presentation to, tonight, but we, we, we sell wine, which is, I guess, what we do, but it's not really why we do what we do. Uh, and why we do is what I think is most important. And I think it's what's, what's enabled us to have a, a, a great workplace culture. We don't think as much about, well, it's not my role anyway to think as much about what we do as to why we do it. We sell wine because it enables um, opportunities for people to connect. Uh, and this is a great example of, of that tonight, whether it's you know, water or beer or, or wine that you're drinking. Um, it's one of those beautiful experiences that we, that we get to share. And so, I might start by talking about, you know, kind of why uh, I do what I do at VinoMofo and, and how that came about. And then, then we'll talk a little bit about what that sort of looks like, what that translates to, because I'd really like for everyone to go away um, from tonight with, you know, some, some, some things to do. Not just, you know, things to think about, but some actions to, to implement, uh, because that's, I guess, why we're all, we're all here. Uh, there's plenty of information out there. You could have stayed at home and listened to a podcast and, or, or read a book and, you know, and that's, I, I do that a lot. But the, the value I've had from experiences like this uh, are when I t take something away and I apply it uh, and I give it a crack and, and see how it works. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that throughout the Q&A. But I guess why I, you know, I, I do what I do uh, at VinoMofo is because I believe that we have an opportunity uh, as as adults working in workplace, whether, you're, whether you're, your title or your role is in people and culture or HR or um, you know, employee engagement or whatever the, you know, the, the, the terminology that might be used to, to define that kind of role, we have an opportunity to create a space where, and if we don't have an opportunity to create that space, we have an opportunity to come to a place where we get to express and work in a way that um, brings out and celebrates and translates our unique gifts, our skills, uh, our talents, our strengths. Our workplace is 120 people. They all come together across two, two different locations, but 
You have 100 people in any given room at one time and there is an incredible opportunity for every single one of those people to do work that is an expression of their life's greatest work. Now, I don't think workplaces curate or, or nurture or facilitate that experience. They can and they should, and therefore I think that's our responsibility as employers, uh, as founders, um, as colleagues, to, and even as individuals, as employees, to kind of go, well, what am I doing here? And is this really the, you know, the, the, the best work I can be doing? It's an evolution, but what a, what a brilliant opportunity that is for people who have an influence in a workplace. That's kind of my idealistic sort of outcome of why I do what I do, but it wasn't, certainly wasn't always like that, and it's, and it's not always the experience at Vinamofa either, but I think back to being at school, right? And I've used education in schools as a, as a frame of reference a lot because Obviously, I was a student, we all were. Um, some of you may be parents and you have children. Um, and then I worked in, in the education system for a long time and it was messed up. And it's a missed, such a missed opportunity. So as a kid, you go to school and you'd learn, I, you know, and I, and I teach for eight weeks how to add and subtract fractions to 12-year-olds in a maths class. I'm sure that's, there's some sort of cognitive um, learning that's necessary, that can be translated and applied to the real world. But I found that we were not teaching what it is that was, that kids really needed to learn. And so I didn't have that experience at school where uh, teachers understood me and I felt like um, I was going through the motions and some subjects I did better than others and some experiences I had were, um, were better than others. But it's like nobody ever really kind of took the time to get to know me as an as a individual, help me understand kind of how to manage my emotions as a, you know, kind of 12-year-old. And, and I still don't think the education system is designed to do that. And schools don't do that, and it's a shame. So that kind of led me to going, well, I want to go and be that teacher for the kind of kid, for those sorts of kids, because I think there's, that's the majority of, of students. I want to have that sort of influence. Um, and it was some of the most rewarding work I, I, I did. I did it for, for, for long enough to then go, the influence I can have here is limited to the scope of the people that I have, you know, that I'm working with in, in my classroom. Um, and I wanted to kind of extend that or sort of challenge myself to have that influence elsewhere. And, and that's why I'm doing what I do in, 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 in a workplace in Vinomofo now. Because like you have a group of 25 kids in a classroom go to school and sit in front of a teacher and learn how to add and subtract fractions for 40 minutes and be told to sit still and then regurgitate that and their value and their worth is measured upon their ability to do that, that's really messed up and demoralising for the majority of kids. Likewise, we send people to a workplace and uh, well, we, we, we go to workplaces where we sit and we do work and it's good work and it contributes to the outcome of a company but it's too often and it's and it's, and it's too often the case that we're disconnected from why we're doing what we're doing. And I don't think it's idealistic to say that we should go to work with a purpose and we should know what that purpose is and our work should be an expression of that purpose. I don't think that that's um, idealistic or, or too far-fetched. Um, I think that should be where we start and we work back from, you know, from that to, to, to a place where we figure out how we, how we can do that. And so that's kind of led me to, you know, via so many deviations, you know, sort of deviations in, 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 in sort of trajectory to, to, to the work that um, I do now with other 
good people who are committed to you know creating the same kind of experience for for our um, for our team uh, at Vino Mofo. So. You know, that's a guess. I guess that's a bit of why. You know, I sort of do what I do because I'm like, fuck. I'm, you know, I'm going to spend most of my time, most of my day at, at work. I want to. I've always been kind of really curious, and 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 I've always had, had that kind of niggle. I'm like, is this the best use of my time? And is this? Am I doing? You know, am I wasting my time? Or could I be doing something that I that I'm more connected to or I care more about? <clears throat> and I think that most people would feel like that at some stage uh, in their life. I think the sad reality reality too is that most people are completely disconnected from you know from this sense of purpose and and the opportunity to uh, to express that at work <clears throat> we go home and we or we go to workshops on the weekends or we do work outside our kind of nine to five on our sign hustle on that thing that really ignites us what if we could come to come to work and do that and what if employees employers and, and, and founders of companies kind of had that in the forefront of their mind or, or engaged somebody, um, you know, employed somebody to kind of make sure that was the experience that their employees were, were having. And uh, yeah, I guess in sort of, as I hear myself speak about this, it does sound I idealistic, but why, fuck, why not? What a waste of good humans, <clears throat> uh, you know, in, in, in a workplace um, who aren't, you know, really engaged in what they're doing. So that's the, that's the kind of why. How do you do that? How the, how the fuck do you make that happen? Um, well, it's really difficult, uh, and I don't know the answers. But we've had a fair crack at figuring it out. We've done some things that have worked, and we've done some things that um, haven't worked, and we're con constantly thinking about how to do it better. And so uh, I guess that's sort of where I want to go now, is, is perhaps share some, some, some learnings. Um, what I don't like about these sorts of exchanges is when someone gets up the front and just bangs on about how great it is, you know, how great whatever it is they've done is and, and how you should do that and sort of walk away going, well, that's, it's just not my experience. My workplace is different. My, I work in a completely different context. And so um, I'll, I'll share some fundamentals and, you know, some universal uh, experiences and, and learnings that have come from those experiences. And, I, and I'd like to think that you can then take those and apply them to, uh, to, to, to your workplace uh, in order to affect change. And the fact that you're even here tonight is testament to, this, to, to, to the fact that, you know, it, it, you know, you've got perhaps this desire to do something, to, you know, to, to affect some change or to, or to mix things up a little bit or to, I don't know, do things better. Um, and we need people like, we need each other to do this and to support each other as we do it because often we do it in isolation in, the, in our workplaces. And often we're the only ones really thinking about um, the experience everyone else is having. And that's, not, that's no judgment on, on other people and their roles. We need people to do what they do really well. And that's the whole point. And there are people like, like you um, who do what you do really well. And maybe what you do really well is uh, think about the experience other people are having and how that could be improved. And that's, that's really, that's so valuable. Um, and, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work in a workplace that enables that, that, um, that supports me to do that and other people to do that as well. And the impact and the influence that, that has on our, um, on our team, I think is really important. So um, the work that you're doing or the fact that you're here thinking about what it is that you know, we're talking about tonight is, um, is, really, is really valuable. So um, 
yay for you. <clears throat> and I've, I've, the things I've learned the most are from other people who are doing things in a similar context. So, um, so perhaps we can talk about that. <clears throat> and uh, I'd like for you to think about what it is you want to, you know, kind of ask uh, or, or learn or sort of, you know, hear me talk about, because I could bang on about this stuff for hours, um, and I tend to do that. Um, and I'd much rather this be about what it is you want to sort of experience or take away from, from tonight. So, you know, we've got all sorts of tangents we could head off in. We've, you know, we talk about mission and purpose and how that translates to um, the experience or, or, or why people come to, to work. Talk about company values um, and, and how we implement those. Um, we talk about engagement. What, what does engagement sort of, you know, truly mean? So I'd love to be guided by you um, tonight with regards to what we talk about and, uh, and, and, and how we do that. So culture changes and it needs to change and it should change. It should evolve um, and, and, and necessarily so. So as a company grows, the culture needs to evolve too because it's not something that's defined and um, and, and upheld by a person, whether it be a, you know, someone like myself or, or founders of a, of, a, of a company. Sure, they're going to set that in, uh, as an intention, but as people come on board, they become co-creators of the, of the culture. So the first thing to acknowledge is that it's going to evolve. Um, and as it evolves, it needs some framework and it needs some guidelines. Um, and the, whether, you, whether you're whether your culture is, def is defined or not, there is a culture in your company. Whether, it's, uh, whether you're able to, to articulate it through you know, a, a mission statement or values you know, stuck up on a wall, um, that doesn't, that's not your culture. Your culture is what people feel when they are in the, work are in the, in the workplace. What visitors or what, you know, if you walked around and asked people, you know, what's it like to work here? That's your culture. So um, it's... It's necessary to, um, to allow it to evolve as, 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 more, as people come on board um, and co-contribute to that. That's really important. But what, what I've found is that you know, in, in doing that, it's necessary and very important to um, clarify what your kind of frameworks are. And we use our, um, we use our values and we use our, um, our, our, uh, our mission, our purpose to, to help kind of define that. So. When it comes to decision making, we think, you know, is this in alignment with with our purpose and our mission? Is this is what we're doing in, in, in enabling our customers or each other or the other businesses that we work with to experience this this purpose of ours? Is what we're doing in alignment with our values? And we went sort of beyond that to to establish to define some um, alignment principles, which is um, you know kind of how we work. We talk a lot about alignment and is what we're doing in alignment with what we're you know, trying to do. So we need to define that. So we started with clarifying and defining the, the, the purpose of why we do what we do as a company. Um, our values uh, I ex, you know, sort of explain, you know, this is, why we, this, is, this is why we do what we do, this is how we do it. Um, and our alignment principles are just you know, kind of reference points every now and then to kind of go. And those alignment principles are, um, you know, have a growth mindset, be open to change, um, put the company first, disagree, but commit to an outcome. So they just become some, you know, some frameworks for us to, um, for us to work. 
but it was really, really important to clarify exactly what that you know, sort of mission is so that we can then you know, work, work within it um, and people can contribute to that in their, in their own way as well. Mission and purpose I would use sort of interchangeably. Uh, different companies might define them differently. Uh, we talk about our mission, um, but it's also our purpose. Effectively, it's the why we do what we do. Um, when it comes to values, uh, that was, they, they, were, they were necessarily uh, defined by, by our founders. They're the people who, you know, the, the guys who started the company, and they started with a, with a, with a purpose, and also with an intention of how, the, how this company should work, or would, how they'd like to, for the company to work. Now that, and, and in defining those values, it makes it really easy to identify, the, the key to a great, to a, oh, I think a, the key to a successful company is having the right people doing the right work in the right way at the right time with the right people around them. It's all people, right? And so if you're working towards a, a purpose or a mission, you've got to have people who believe in that. Now, in order for them to believe in that or value that, they've got to they, they're likely to have or they need to have similar values. Now, you're not going to know what those values are unless you say, this is what, this is what we believe in. This is, how, this is what is important to us. We, we step up. We care more. We keep it real. We do some good and we have some fun. This is our company's values. Now, that might not be how you like to work or that might not resonate with you. You might like to work for a company that kind of values different things. That's awesome. Then this is probably not going to be the place for you. Now, they're pretty broad and universal sort of values. Everyone can connect with them one way or another. But it really helps us throughout the whole recruitment uh, process to identify the right, that, we've get, that we're getting the right kind of people who believe in what we're doing for the right reasons. In what we're doing being our mission and for the right reasons being what those values are. And it's a relationship we're engaging in. Right, a company to an individual, an employer to an employee, like any relationship, unless your values are the same, you're probably not going to have a long and you know fruitful, um, meaningful relationship. So it's necessary to define what those values are, and articulate them in a way that people kind of get. Oh, that's what it means, and then they can choose, and we choose too, um, whether you know somebody's going to opt in. To those, uh, to, to that way of working. Now, it's not super, you know, it, it's it's not so ruthless that it's like, well, if you don't, you know, believe in this value, then it's, you know, then it's not going to work out. But it helps to find the right people, to screen the right people, and that's the that's a key to having a really solid, high-performing team. <clears throat> I think the I think the key to that is having somebody, ideally a number of people, key people your founders, your leaders, um, your, you know, your HR your, or your people and culture people, um, thinking like that, asking those questions and having an awareness of what's happening from a, like a super macro perspective because everybody's so busy just doing what they're doing head, head down and kind of just in their job that a lot of people don't step back and go, Hey, this is our, what is what we're doing in alignment with what we say we do, and how's that? Are we as we evolve? Are we evolving in the right direction? So you need to have people whose job it is to think like that and ask those questions. They might be founders, or CEOs, or leaders of the company, or people. People it doesn't matter who it is. 
if you've gotten a, if you if you're thinking like that, then you're probably the right person to be um, asking those sort of questions. And so it, it's it's an awareness of what's happening, right? Then uh, you need to do something about it. Now, I mentioned before that it's dangerous to make assumptions about what people need or what's actually going on. So you need to gather some feedback and some, some, gen, some accurate data. Feedback might be anecdotal by talking to people. Um, that's, and, you know, there's a lot of engagement tools and, and, and um, uh, apps and, and software tools that kind of measure and go, but fuck, just go on art, talk to people. That's such a valuable, like, it's crazy, right? But ask them questions. We use, we do that a lot. We have, we, we uh, facilitate forums of communi like open communication and we actively work on, we probably work more on how we communicate than what we communicate. Because I reckon if you get the how right, then you know, the rest takes care of itself. Um, we measure engagement through, you know, uh, through Coltramps, one, one of the tools, and we ask a lot of questions and we um, gather as much information uh, and, and feedback as, as possible to then go, all right, how are we doing? Is what's happening in alignment with our mission? Is what's happening in alignment with those values? Keep coming back to that framework um, and kind of just, just kind of, you know, self-correcting uh, as, as much as possible. But none of that's going to happen. And sometimes you do so after the horse is bolted when it's a bit late, if you missed what steps were leading up to or what kind of things were leading up to um, things going off the off the rails a little bit early on. So I think, to be honest, I think the key is having somebody, people, whose responsibility is to kind of oversee that. You know, small company of fifty, you know, four people, you know, two people uh, to hundred or two thousand. It, it, it really it really depends. The answer to that, I think, is is do what works and what's necessary. Um, so that that cadence of um, you know when. And how regularly is going to depend, um, but what I think is universal is that there's an expectation that it happens, and it's not just someone's responsibility. We talked about that person having that kind of bird's eye view of everything that needs to happen. That shouldn't be them who then goes in and makes all the things happen as well, because it's just not scalable, particularly you know big companies with lots of staff. And so the there should be an expectation that involves a lot of you know, upskilling and training and coaching to help people have those conversations. But I think what's, I think what kind of gets, what I've sort of got sidetracked by is, well, it's, you know, like June, end of June, we need to have like performance reviews. So we probably should do that every three months. Here's data or research that says do it three months, one month, six months. It doesn't matter. Like the point is that you do it and you do it in a way that works for, the, for, your, for your company. It's less about the time frame and the schedule than it is about is it working and does it work for you? Because you know we've tried, you know, we tried doing it you know less regularly, more regularly, um, and we kind of you know just find a find a balance of of what works and what feels right. And that's different for every company. Good question, and it's really hard, uh, and it's very uh, time consuming and complicated process. So some people might come to. Like we're all different. Right? I mean, we all kind of have different epiphanies about what we're great at at different stages in our lives. So some people might come to a role going, "I know exactly what I'm great at. I know exactly how I do it um, well, and I know exactly what I need." Then there are other people like, "Ah, oh, man, I'm just really good at this thing." But I didn't, you know, there, there might be something else that they kind of do 
um, you know, well, or that it's, it's a process of self-awareness and self-discovery. Now, we all have different, you know, kind of, we all have different ways in which we invest in that. Um, I'm not saying it's an employer's responsibility to kind of do that for, for you, but we should certainly provide the opportunity if somebody's, you know, willing to kind of explore that. It makes smart business sense, right? When you've got people doing the thing that they do better than anyone else, like it's going to work. For, and if you have this beautiful symphony of, of people doing all their little things so beautifully, you know, well and in conjunction with everyone else, like that kind of, it's like, it's hums and it's a, it's, that's, that's the kind of, that's the goal. Um, but a lot of people don't know what the fuck they are good at. Because I talk about being a student and being a teacher and we're teaching stuff. We're not teaching kids or each other or, how, you know, how to... We, we, we read self-development books and we go to classes, we go to workshops and we do retreats and... Um, but, we, you know, we don't do it at work unless it's a, you know, standardised behavioural profiling tool or a, you know, personality profiling tool. They're good. So what we... So the answer to your question is what we do is we keep it really simple and we go... And we ask questions, get teams together. And we did this last week. We got, you know, we've been in this process of doing that now. We get all our teams together and we go, all right, let's redefine your role. Let's re-clarify your role. Here's a position description that you had when you came on board two years ago. Haven't really adapted that or changed that much. I'm sure you've changed a lot. And certainly the environment which you're working has changed a lot. What do you notice about what you love and what you don't love about your role right now? It's just, it's an open up, it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity for you just to come and share that. And it's beautiful to see kind of how people go, oh, I don't actually really like doing this. And someone else is like, oh, I enjoy that, but, that's, but I didn't think that was my role. And we've got, you know, team leads who are saying, I don't do the kind of fun people stuff because I think it's not my role as a leader. It's like, no, it's, that's exactly your role. So you, you, you just kind of provide the opportunity for people to share their experience of, uh, experiences of what they love and what they don't love about their role. And then something is simple. We just kept it really simple when it comes to pro, um, profiling. We just use Gallup Strengths Finder. You help people identify their you know, top five strengths, and you then use that as a reference point for a discussion. Like, cool, well, if, you're, if your strengths are connection, um, individualization, winning others over, and so-and-so, how do you do that in your role? How could you do that in your role? And for a lot of people, it's the first time they've ever gone, oh, well, I'm actually really good at doing, you know, I'm actually really good at engaging with people um, and I really care about the experience others, others, are having, uh, others are having, but I didn't know I could do that at work in my role. It's like, yeah, well, this is where you kind of start to find the, you know, find the sweet spot. So we keep it really simple. Gallup Strengths Finder for helping start that conversation of what people might be, you know, how they might bring some of that, you know, unique... Um, those unique uh, attributes to their role. Um, we, you know, we do the language of appreciation. Um, Gary Chapman, 20 odd years ago, wrote a book called The Lang Love, Five Lang Love La Languages, and then um, it was adapted to the five uh, languages of appreciation at work. And so we help people to kind of identify, you know, what makes them feel good when it comes to acknowledgement and re reward and recognition. And all that is is spending a couple of hours during a workshop to help people um, connect with kind of who they are. Not what they do, but who they are. And then, and then you know, we sort of go from there. So I did a, I did a diploma of 
life coaching and I'd learnt all the tools and I applied a lot of what I'd learnt in the workplace context. So people who just sort of kind of eyes glazed over a little bit when it comes to teaching them how to do that. So I think the point is you've got to meet someone where they're at, right? You've got someone who's excellent at their, at their role, who's, who's brilliant at executing what they do really well, put them in a position of leadership where they then need to manage a group of people and it's, a, it's like, it's like, it'd be like asking me to, you know, sort of interpret code on a, on a website. I, I, I don't, it's a different language. And so while we, while we could provide, and we do, right, incidentally, but it's not, we don't say this is the sort of grow model of coaching and this is what you need to do to help your, because it's, it's impersonal. What we do instead is we say, all right, so how do you like to communicate? Team, new, new sort of people leader. Um, and who in your, what do you know about the people in your team? We help them identify, you know, kind of those dynamics. And then you find a model or you find a way that, um, you know, kind of worked in that unique context. And so we'll, we'll use models, for example, but I guess it's more an expectation of don't rely on a tool or a, or a model to have um, some honest conversations or some just genuine connections. And I think um, it's probably a longer way to go about it and it takes more time, but it's, people own it more. Um, and, you, you know, I think those tools are really valuable and, and, and use them, but as a support to you know, kind of the intention of the conversation in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I think you need to then provide more structure and framework, like building any sort of building that as you go, you're going to need more framework. I was talking to a friend last night who does a similar role in a company of um, 20,000 people. Um, and uh, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a very slow process. You know, what, what I'm sort of able to do or um, the conversations I'm able to have would take a, you know, you know, uh, a lot longer to, to implement. Um, and it starts at the top without buying from your um, leaders uh, and a commitment to, you know, backing those changes or decisions that are being made. It, it certainly takes, um, it, it's, it's hard to, to get across the line, but that's when inevitably the framework uh, and the um, structures and the models and a handbook in lieu of the opportunity, in lieu of, you know, somebody actually, you know, being able to, do that in person um, is, is necessary. Yeah, for sure. So ideally, you'd, you know, everyone, the, 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 the kind of the mission of the company or, uh, or the purpose and everything was kind of aligned, the leader would be the, you know, the, the flawless example of that and would just lead by example and everyone would just live happily ever after and we'd all be aligned doing the great I mean, work. That's definitely on It is, right? <laughs> but it doesn't work like that all yeah. the time because we're fucking human, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just not, it's not, it's messy. And when you're doing work that is innovative or creative or you're challenging and you're disrupting and you're trying to evolve and do things differently, you're going to get it wrong. Um, it's just, and that's necessary. Uh, and it relates to what, how scalable this might be as well in a big culture, uh, in a big company. It doesn't matter. Your, your, the influence you have is, um, is, not should not be dependent upon the behaviour of a of a leader. So there's this is how change. This is how good cultural change. Um, uh, sort of that's the this is how it begins. This is this is how it kind of um, takes uh, gains momentum. Is when somebody goes. This is this is this is a, the right way to do things. And if we if if we have somebody a leader for example who's saying one thing and doing another, um, then it doesn't mean to say that everything's everything's fucked. And we're all just 
doomed and there's nothing I can do about it. The influence you have is to kind of go, well, you know, speak up and go, well, I think we can do this differently. And the, you should never underestimate the, I'm talking really micro scale here, but like you never underestimate the influence you can have on somebody else or one other person. And the, this is, it, it, that's kind of how momentum, you know, sort of begins. And you have, you have pockets of people who feel disenfranchised or disillusioned from what's happening. And all it takes is someone to go, well, well let's fix it. Let's do something about it. Let's not be a victim of the circumstances that we find ourselves in and let's, let's change it and do what we can to change it. And even if it's changing the experience that, you know, your colleagues are having or that you're having or your perspective and trying to find a sol solution, that, you know, that's, that's, that's powerful. You know, it's hard. It, sometimes you're the, you know, you're the kind of only one going, hang on, is this, is this the right thing to do? And it's not the right. There's a lot of variations on kind of what works and what should be you know what should be done but I guess the point is don't it like there's your culture champions or your your the people who um, define your culture aren't always going to be the, the leaders of the company should be but they're not always going to be so therefore don't rely on them to be if that's the case yeah and the the, the influence that a one person will have like uh, uh, who has a negative uh, approach and influence is like is far far more magnified and 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 uh, destructive than the power of ten people who are like yeah let's do this for the right reasons. Um, so I think it goes you can't excuse me you don't always do this you know you can't always get this right the first time but you it starts with recruitment and finding the right people who are aligned for the right reasons and then being really ruthless about that um, and you know we've we've had positions advertised that we haven't recruited, that we haven't hired for because we're like, mm, not quite right. Um, and you've got to be really brutal uh, and like ruthless in terms of who you come, uh, who, you, who you sort of uh, it, it, um, employ in, into, into your company. Because once, it, you know, once they're in, then it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, you, you trust them to work in a, in a way that's aligned with, with your values. Now, <clears throat> when you find um, that that uh, people have changed or they've evolved or they're no longer aligned with what you do. In order to um, deal with that, uh, it's really fucking hard. So the higher slow, really slow, and kind of fire fast, you know, is a philosophy that I think you know is is it works. It's not easy. We have a responsibility and an obligation as employers to kind of help people to. Uh, if look, if they're if they're negative, they're disengaged, disenfranchised, then that's that's an employer's responsibility, right? While they're at work, if they're not <clears throat> working in a way that's you know positively contributing to the uh, the direction of the company or the people that are you know they're working with, that's we we need to own that. You can't just go to, you, you can't just go that person's um, disengaged, giving everyone the shits, and therefore you know we need to fire them. Uh, you, workplaces have an, employees have an obligation to, to do that by law, but more of a moral obligation than anything else. <clears throat> there comes a point when you, some people just, you know, no longer a fit. Then it's time to have an honest conversation. Um, and that's difficult. I think what happens a lot um, is that people who are really good at their job, <clears throat> who have been, or perhaps have been doing the job for a long time, they get promoted into a leadership position um, by virtue of either tenure or, you know, as I said, they're, they're great at what they do, and then suddenly they've got a team to lead. That's, that's 
leading a team and being good at your job are two very different skills. Um, they're, they're mutually exclusive. When you, when you can combine the two, that's beautiful. Leader, right? Um, but then two different skills. So you, got, you can do one of two things. You can um, have, so the traditional model is sort of top down. I've earned my, I've earned my way into this leadership role. Now I'm a leader of, of a process or a team, effectively a leader of people. That's a very, that's a sort of traditional hierarchical model of leadership. <clears throat> um, and what you have is some people in those roles who may not be great people leaders who are good at what they do. You can look, you can flip it and go, well, why don't you just stay doing what you're doing really well? You'll be remunerated, uh, you know, uh, you'll be um, compensated, you'll be looked after, but just we're going to have, we're, we're going to identify people who are really great at leading teams or managing teams or working with people to help you to lead your team. And uh, that's about quant uh, identifying, you know, those unique skills and just letting people do what they do really well. Because what often happens is you get a leader who's great at what they, someone who's great at their job, it becomes a people leader, and then they do, then they, they end up not having the time to focus on what they were doing well. They don't do the people, team leadership well, and everything kind of falls to, you know, turns to, turns to shit. So you either upskill people and it's, you've got to teach people how to work with people. Um, we don't, we're not born learn, knowing how to do this. Some people have, do it quite naturally and other people just don't. It's not a flaw or a judgment, it just is. So you might, you know, there, there might be some upskilling, might be some, um, some training, some coaching, some, you know, some framework and models that, you know, will help somebody. It's knowing what they need in order to do that well. Um, but I also think that um, we need to find a better way to do it in, in as much as just don't expect people to do what they're not really good at or don't really want to do. And, I, you know, in a big, you know, sort of large company with that needs structure, it, it's hard, but I think there's a better way for us to do it. Well, we go, you know, I go back to an example that sort of we're experiencing now where, you know, we kind of get our, haven't done this yet because we've got with this with our engineering team because we've got some new hires coming on board. So we'll, we'll wait until they arrive. What we'll do is we'll sit down and we'll go, okay, what do you, what, what do you love to do? What are you good at? Um, what do you love to, what are you good at? CTO or, you know, head of engineering. Um, what do you love to do? What are you good at? And given that forum and the opportunity to kind of speak freely, often you'll find that, you know, pe people are doing, are in roles and expected uh, uh, to do things that they just don't really want to do. And so, I don't know, letting go of the need to have, you know, sort of really defined hierarchical structures, I think, is, is, is an opportunity that, that we have to kind of just do, to, to then go, well, what, what is going to work? Um, but the fact is, you, there's always going to be upskilling and, 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 and learning and development, teaching that's going to, you know, that people are going to need. Nobody comes pre-programmed to do a great job at something that they've just been employed to do because there's so many variables, there's so many um, uh, tangibles and the tangibles being a people uh, who they're working with. Uh, and so to help, support, guidance, um, opportunities to access that help and support and guidance as well and normalizing this conversation where it's like, I'm a, I'm le I don't know how to deal with this person. There should be somebody in your company who can help you do that or there should be an opportunity for you to access support who can, you know, so that will help you to, to, to manage that. Depends on your values, right? Now, if you value product, like just productivity and output over everything else, then you might, re you might retain that, you know, that, that employee who's really good at what they do but pisses everyone else off, right? What do you value more? 
it's a long to it's a you know it it's it's you know kind of it, it'll depend on the context um, and the answer is you depend upon the you know the the, the work the workplace and values yeah I don't I'd like to think that we don't I'd like to think that we like it doesn't matter how good you are what you do just be a good human first and if you're not are you if you're not playing nicely with others then it doesn't matter how good you are it's like any high performing team whether it be a work team or a sports team you you, you see it in football no football I don't like to use that as an analogy but it's a good one that you know that per, that, that that person who's brilliant to what they do but they just drag everyone else down um, they can either be reformed um, or, or will that they will reform or they just won't and I you know a team of a team of people who are aligned and committed to the same thing are so much more valuable than a team of you know high performing you know um, it's a lot of words I could use but you know people who just aren't playing nicely with others <coughs> I'd say it's a pretty familiar story um, and the context uh, I think is the experience is, is unique but something that's universal is um, the need to communicate and commit to um, doing communicating in a way that everybody is really clear on expectations on outcomes time frames um, uh, whatever it is that is being agreed upon and then to have some recourse this is where like it becomes you know this is where it sort of gets scalable and this is where you need sort of some some models of um how to either either scope a um uh you know uh, uh project uh and for everybody to sit down and agree and commit right and then to see it through and then for there to be consequences if it doesn't happen and then for there to be um ways in which you know if there's going to be changes throughout the process they're communicated and agreed upon as well so nobody it doesn't come as a surprise that's that's an ideal outcome right you might have a ceo who's uh who deploys uh, a feature or who ideates something and then sends it to the engineering team to get to get built to get done um, and the team is happy just to kind of roll with like lots of different changes as well. So it depends on the on the on the team, but it's being really clear about what everybody's expectations are and capabilities are. So there's no surprises. Yeah. This is not. I mean, and it's 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 an it's an inexact and imperfect sort of science and process, um, but it comes down to communication and for people to go, hey, this isn't working. This is not what it's not working anymore. Can we sort it's that out? It's a bit lost in <clears throat> depends on the work. Depends on the work you're doing too. Some some companies work with really like siloing departments and having really sort of clearly defined um, boundaries between two. Like works well and necessarily so. There are other companies where it's just a, it's a barrier to actually had doing you know doing good work. Um, <laughs> communication. Fuck. If we could just do that better. So <laughs> so that I guess the the point being it's less about what to do than that you are doing it. So it's about, you know, um, how do we communicate? And what, like, what's the best model for, you know, project management or communication? I don't know. Figure it out. But figure it out through having honest, open, transparent communication where everybody has an opportunity to, sh you know, express and share what it is that they're feeling. And that doesn't happen very often. We had a situation today in a meeting, right? And we're learning to do this. We're not great at it. I don't think you ever get great at it. You get better at it. Where we had 
our CEO, myself, um, our, we have a, you know, a, a coach who works with us who just helps us to kind of communicate better, uh, our CFO and our you know, head of operations. Um, and we're talking about stuff, talking about good stuff, I mean, why we do what we do, how we should do it, how we should do it. And it got to a point where it's like we're actually talking a lot about process, but we're not actually communicating in a way that is effective. So um, Andre used a technique that we would coached in a couple of weeks ago, um, whereby we stopped and understood what it is that each of us are being triggered by. Because it kind of got a little bit, like, a bit hectic, right? It wasn't particularly productive. So we all stopped and thought, okay, how am I feeling and what am I triggered by at the moment? And we established this, you know, trust tree, this little safe space where we're able to do that. And we had language that we could use to express and acknowledge how it is that we're actually feeling. That reset the room immediately. And the energy lifted and we're like, oh, we're back. Okay, right, here we are. So it's less about what you do uh, and what the process is or what the, than it is about how you're communicating or how we are communicating. That's what we're learning. Fuck, this is a theory that we all know. We, we all know this, but how do you do it? Well, it started off with a couple of weeks ago where, um, where, where, where Nadia, this, you know, I call her coach, but she's you know, so much more than that. She helps us as a group of team leads, there's, there's 12 of us, to, to communicate better. And we did, a, we did a session at a team leads meeting a couple of weeks ago where we each identified what we do when we're triggered. When we're triggered by something that kind of, you know, kind of gets us all either like defensive for, for whatever, whatever reason. What is the behaviour so that A, we can acknowledge it and call it out, and B, we can see it in someone else. And we each went around and all of us said, well, when I'm triggered, I just kind of, I shut down or I retreat or I fire up or I just need to leave the room. And not only what we do when we're triggered, but how to evolve through that um, and how to, uh, you know, how to manage that. So it was cool to see it in action today, where um, it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool shit. We should be doing more of that than, you know, worrying too much about how we do, you know, communication. Not how we do communication, but, you know, um, yeah, how it all sort of plays out. All right. How are we doing? It feels pretty heavy. Are we, are we okay? Are we good? Um, I learned so much from talking to other people who do similar roles in different companies. Uh, so, you know, um, networking, um, talking, going and spending time in other workplaces uh, is something I do personally. I, and, you know, that's a kind of way of benchmarking. I just, I think that's just a great way to learn too. When you see something in action, it's easy to read a book, easy to hear about somebody's success story. But when you see it in action, see what people do, that's, that's really inspiring. And, you know, obviously conferences and opportunities like this where you get to connect with other people who are doing similar things to take away, um, you know, from, from their experience. Um, in terms of benchmarking, uh, look, I, I think something I'm really conscious of is, is the fact that nobody's going to do, nobody's doing what we do and nobody's done what we're doing. Not because it's... Ex like, re like completely revolutionary or extraordinarily different. It's just the fact that it, by virtue of the people in the company, it's just, it's just different. So take what works in another company and, and, and apply it in our own way. Um, but, you know, there's, 
there's, I mean, the great place to work sort of survey benchmark is what, you know, we, that was something we did the last couple of years and it was nice to kind of be acknowledged for the fact that we're, it's, it's in, it's in I, I don't know whether the value of that is as important or as um, relevant as how are we doing based on our own benchmarks. We look at other companies and go, that's a great place to work because they do something that's really valuable to, you know, or, or you know, it's something that we value, how can we do that in our own way? So I think the best benchmark, the best benchmark is your ideal, you know, workplace. Your ideal workplace, not the ideal workplace, because the ideal workplace doesn't exist. Your ideal workplace does, as a, as a, um, as a kind of journey from where you are to where you want to be. That's kind of the benchmark, I think. Without being so naive to kind of go, we know what we're doing, Always looking for externally for you know for ideas, references. references. But yeah, I think the best benchmark is is where are we now and where do we want to be and how do we get there and then just kind of drawing in resources to um, to yeah help that happen. Um, I have a great relationship with our co-founders. I believe in the mission of the company and I like the people that I work with. And I love the product that we, not just the product, but I love why we do what we do. Um, and I am doing that for those reasons. I'm not, I don't have a mission to sort of change the world. Um, I have a mission to have influence on the people around me that I, that I care about. Um, and do work that is in alignment with kind of my, my own sort of personal um, purpose. So I'd say thanks. But that is a shitstorm. I ain't going anywhere near. And cheers. <laughs> Here's the answer to any. Here's the answer to any. I think I'm probably going to get the wrap up soon. So here's what I want you to do. That's the most important thing. It's all good to talk about this in, in theory and, and you know talk about it. But you've got to do something about it in order for it to have some impact or, or, or to translate to an experience somebody else has. Like, and it relates to, like, you, there's so many stories of people, like pe individuals who have, who do something seemingly insignificant that has such an impact on somebody. And I know, like, it was Maya Angelou's birthday, I don't know, last week or something. And that, you know, what she says about people don't, you know, remember what you, what you do um, or what you say, but they certainly remember, remember how you feel. Comes back to the influence that you have on the people around you. It, the, the opportunity that we have to and we talk about engagement, right? The opportunity we have that, you all, that we all have, and we're, we're here talking about it, so you get it and you see it and you'll know it and you'll do it um, and you already do it. But don't, I just want to remind you to never underestimate the impact that this has. When you see somebody um, who's doing something and acknowledging them for, for, for that, engagement isn't about having a, a 12-month strategy that's measured by you know surveys every quarter, and then reported you know back to the team with the you know fancy graphs. It's about saying, "Fuck, how are you doing? Are you alright? I know you've got a big training and development workshop coming up next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, if you need me, I'm here. But just know that people." All the people that are coming to that, whether they, whether they acknowledge or not, are grateful for what you do. No one else could do that. Um, thank you for doing that for, for, for our company. Thank you for doing that for, for me. 
just thank you. Seeing something and acknowledging it has the impact to just change people's fucking experience of their day at least, um, let alone um, their, their experience of, of a workplace. The fundamentals of what drives people to do what they do, um, validation, um, acknowledgement, um, recognition, and I'm not talking about big bells and whistles and bonuses and trips away and weekends to, you know, holidays. It's like, I saw what you did, thank you for doing that thing, it means a lot. Like, it, it doesn't take much and you don't need to be a team, you don't need to be a leader or a CEO or a HR people person to do that. It's just being a good human and that shit matters so much. It matters so much. Um, I'm, gonna let, I'm just going to make a one, just one. I think there's only one thing that matters. Um, and that is never miss an opportunity to, never miss an opportunity to help somebody feel like they mean something. Or remind somebody that they mean something. Fuck, isn't that what we all want? A need and crave, fucking desire. It's a, that is the only thing that, ma that's, it's kind of, for me, that's it. Right? And there's been times when I've gone to work and I felt shit and somebody will say something like, oh, I'm reminded. Or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling really good and I'm reminded. It does, that's all that matters. At the end of the day, that's all that fucking matters. Just to feel like we mean something or what we're doing is of value and, and matters. That's free. And that's um, easy. It's just, like a, it's just doing it. That's all that, that's, I don't know. Because that shit matters. You're welcome. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, Mike. You've been unreal. Everyone can say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Explore the Florence Guild podcast with the best talent from Australia and across the world. You can subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes. For more information on Florence Guild, visit florenceguild.com.